Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. Well, when it's the week leading up to Thanksgiving, and honestly, you're just not feeling it. As a matter of fact, um, you feel like this guy. You're grumpy. (laughs) Or you're like the Grinch. Or or maybe you're more in line with Squidward (laughs) from Spongebob. Or or Oscar the Grouch, okay? Or my favorite, Mr. Fredrickson. Yes. Now, if you've not seen the movie Up, you've got to see the movie Up, people, okay? Um, but, But sometimes, honestly... It's hard to be thankful. We just, like I said, we're just not feeling it. We, we don't want to be joyful. And maybe you came in and, and that's you this morning. You don't want to sing. You don't want to smile. You don't want to greet. You don't want to shake some stranger's hand you don't know. As a matter of fact, you'd rather scowl or growl at someone. Um, so let's do that right now. Turn to the person next to you and give them your best scowl. And just growl at that person, all right? Yeah. Welcome to Harvest. We love each other here. (laughs) Let's be honest. Sometimes life just sucks the joy out of us. It just sucks the gratitude right out of us. And I don't want to be one of those people that just kind of fakes it and pretends to be happy and walks around with this cheesy, you know, plastic smile. But if truth be known... I know I need to be joyful. And and I know I need to be more thankful. And there's times when I just need a refresher. I need a refresher when it comes to joy and gratitude. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to have a refresher on joy and gratitude. And it's found in Psalm 100. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 100. This short, sweet Joy-filled psalm of gratitude. Now, Psalm 100 is the last of the royal or the enthronement psalms, 93 and then 95 through 100. And it's a group of psalms that celebrate the Lord's rule and reign on earth. So its ultimate fulfillment is millennial in nature. It's the coronation of the Lord Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, the subscription of Psalm 100 is that it's a psalm of thanksgiving. A psalm of giving thanks. More than likely, it was sung at the temple with the sacrifice of praise. But what was true then, I believe should be true today. And so the words of Psalm 100, they're they're good reminders for all of us as a refresher of what it means to be joyful. How to show it. What it means to be grateful. So read along with me as I read Psalm 100 starting in verse 1. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is not he, it is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And his faithfulness to what? All generations. So I need to be reminded 
that this life of joy and gratitude involves a few things. Here's the first one. It involves this outward expression. I need to shout at times, and I need to serve, and I need to sing, whether I feel like it or whether I don't feel like it. In other words, he starts off by saying, make it verbal. It's okay to shout out your praise to God. Is that true? Yeah, there's a shout out right there. Now, you may say, oh, Pastor Scott, I just couldn't do that. Don't tell me you can't get verbal. I've seen how you act at your kids' and grandkids' ball games, okay? Get that ball! Shoot that ball! Get the rebound! Stay with your man! Not to mention how you've yelled at that ref, okay? Yeah, uh uh-huh. Yeah, you you can get verbal. We can all get verbal. And I want you to understand something. Being on God's team is something to get excited about. Being a part of God's family is something to be excited about. He, he gave you a full ride, a free grace to be on his team. He died for you to be on his team. He put you on the forever and ever eternal winning team. That's something to get excited about. Can you give a shout out to God? That's something to be excited about. Now, he says make a joyful noise. You know, this shout joyfully to the Lord, Psalm 100 verse 1. Let the world shout in anger. Does this world shout in anger? Yes, it does. Let the world shout in anger. You're to shout in joy. Does this world shout with hatred? Oh, does it ever. Let the world shout out its hatred. You shout to God in joy. Let the world shout out in frustration, not you. Shout joyfully to the Lord. Now, there's plenty of verses to remind us of how to shout. 66.1 of the Psalms, shout joyfully to God all the earth. Psalm 71, my lips sh- will shout with, for joy and I'll sing praises to you. Psalm 81.1, shout joyfully to the God of Jacob. And Psalm 95.1, let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 98, verse 4 and 6, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Shout joyfully before the king. Over and over and over again, he says, shout to God, shout joyfully to God, shout out to God with joy. So let the Lord hear your shout of praise. And this can just be bursting forth with spontaneous moments of praise. I was out running trails yesterday. And I came around a corner and all the trees are white and I see this red cardinal sitting in a tree. Oh man, is that beautiful. God is so good. We, we see it in his creation, the beauty. We, we see it in the simple things. We see it in a, in a warm fire. We see it with food around a table. We see, we see him being so good in so many ways. Just give shouts of praise. Shouts of praise with, with your family. When you're in with believers in Christ, when you're with total strangers, just give, just testify to the greatness of your God. And, and by the way, when we do that, we join people all over the face of this earth. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. We, we, we gather this day in worship by the tens of millions on every continent, in every country, singing praise to God. That's pretty special. And by the way, we're rehearsing for the greatest gathering of praise before the throne of God. And we see one such gathering during the tribulation in heaven in Revelation 7. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, palm branches in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So join the great choir. Join the orchestra of praise. Now, 
we join this praise of all people all over the earth, I believe that praise also includes the creation of God. Again, ultimate fulfillment is the return of the king. Psalm 96, 11 says this. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. The sea roar all it contains. The field exult and all that is in it. And all the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord. For he is coming. He's coming. Isaiah 55. For you will go out with joy. Be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth. And the shouts of joy before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. All of creation. Designed to shout out the praise of God. Now, praise wasn't just lip service. Praise was also to be a lifestyle. Make sure it goes from your lips to your life. Make sure it's not just verbal. Make sure it's also physical. Shouts of joyful praise were to be accompanied by acts of joyful service. Verse 2. So serve the Lord with gladness. So the focused... First and foremost of my life is not to be serving myself. Not even to be serving other people. Focus of my life and yours is to be serving my God and your God. I think sometimes that's why we struggle with praise. We struggle with thanksgiving because the focus is on us instead of God. And, And I need to shout out praises to him. And I need to live my life for him, in service to him. So shouts of joyful praise give way to acts of joyful service. You're talking service with a smile. You ever had a miserable waitress at a a restaurant? Or a miserable clerk at at a hotel? I mean, they're just miserable. And, and, And miserable servants make for miserable service. And a miserable servant is basically letting you know You're not worth their time. You're just not worth their effort. God is always worth our time. God is always worth our effort. God is always worth giving our best. He doesn't need miserable servants. He needs those who understand who he is and what he has done. And are filled with a gratitude and appreciation. And serve him with joy. Make it verbal, make it physical, and make it vocal. Because now he goes in to sing it out. Not just shout it out, but sing it out. Come before him with joyful singing. And it says come before him. So we come before an audience of one. So I am to be focused on him, not myself. So, so when we come before him, we've got to stop worrying about how we look. Do my clothes match? How's my hair? Whatever we say. It's not about how you look. It's about looking to him. That's what praise, that's what worship is all about. That's what singing to him is all about. So, so stop worrying about how we look and look to God. And stop worrying about what others think of us and start thinking of God. And sing joyfully. Not somber, not cynical, not downcast, oh my soul. You may say, well, I don't like those songs. Quote I used a few weeks ago, random churchgoer, I didn't really like worship today, Francis Chan. That's okay, we weren't worshiping you. (laughs) And when it comes to new songs, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. I'm just going to let scripture speak. 
Psalm 33, 3. Let's say it together. Sing to him a new song. Psalm 96, 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Psalm 91, 8, 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Why? For he has done wonderful things. Psalm 144, 9. I will sing a new song to you, O God. Psalm 149, 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And his praise in the congregation of the godly ones. So guess what God wants us singing? New songs. You know, nowhere in scripture does he say sing an old song. He says sing new songs. There's nothing wrong with old songs. I love the old songs. And we're told to, to, to speak one another in spiritual songs and hymns and things. But understand clearly verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. New songs. Why is that? I think God loves new expressions of his glory and greatness. He never tires of his creation, his people, looking at him in new, fresh ways of his might and his majesty and expressing it in new ways. And by the way, there'll even be new songs in heaven. Revelation 5, 9. They sang a what? A new song. In Revelation 14, 3. And they sang a new song before the throne. You say, well, I'm not before the throne right now. Okay, Mr. Fredrickson. So what do I do? I'm still struggling to be thankful. I'm still struggling to, 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 to lift up praise. I'm still not feeling it. Well, this life of joy and gratitude, secondly, I think takes a mindful comprehension. Say that with me. A mindful comprehension. Look at verse 3. No... That the Lord himself is God, it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Know this, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So he says, he is God. Acknowledge him as God. He is the sovereign ruler. And not only acknowledge it, but live like it. Live like he is God. And sadly, too often we live like we are God. We have a big decision to make. We don't even pray about it. Why? Because I'm God. And I can make that decision. There's a decision or a direction you want to take. You don't even consult the Bible. You don't even look at his word. Why? Are you your own God? See, we bring God into the equation on Sunday. Where is he tomorrow with your business? Where is he Tuesday with your kids? Where is he Wednesday with your marriage? Where is God the rest of the week? Oh, God is God on Sunday. No, he is God. And it's time you bring him into your life. Because if you don't bring him into your life, you are an idolater and you've become your own God. So when it comes to decisions in your life, bring God into the equation. He is the ruler. And pray about it. And seek him. And consult his word. Don't just say these things. Live as though God is God. Know that the Lord himself is God. He is the uncreated one. Has always been. He is the eternal one. He will always be. God has never not existed. Wrap your mind around that. He is God. 
He's the all-powerful one, speaking planets and stars into existence out of nothing, ex nihilo. He's the all-knowing one. There's nothing he hasn't known, doesn't know, and won't know, and he knows everything at the same time for all of eternity, and he cannot know anymore. He is God. He is the ever-present one, everywhere, simultaneously, at the same time, seeing everything all at once, from all eternity past to all eternity future. He sees it all. He's outside of time. He is sovereign. Absolute control over everyone, everything, always. He is God. And he deserves our praise and our worship. He's not only God, he's creator. It says here, and he has made us. Contextually, it can refer to the nation of Israel. This miracle of God whom God, whom the Lord has worked to send a savior through. He's made the church universal, different than Israel, distinct from Israel, Gentile, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But he's also made you individually, personally. You are a handcrafted creation of God. His fingerprints are all over you. That's how special you are. You have purpose. You have meaning. You're not some happenstance chance in the universe. You mean something to God because he created you and he loves you. Psalm 139. You formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and wonderful are your works and my soul knows it, what? Very well. So don't believe the lies of the enemy that you don't matter. You matter to God. He is your God. He is your creator. And then in verse 3 we see he's our shepherd. We are his people. So we belong to a group. We have identity. We're part of his family. He's not just this uncreated, eternal, all-powerful, sovereign, all-knowing, everywhere, present creator of God. He's not some distant, cold deity. He's not impersonal. You have a place of belonging as God's child. You are not alone. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you didn't belong, you were in the dark. And he's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received the mercy of God. Thank God you received his mercy. You've received his mercy. You could have received his judgment. And he called you out of darkness to be his own child. And now you're a child of mercy. That's the goodness of your God. That's your shepherd. It says here, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And we see this teaching through scripture in the Old Testament, the beloved Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He's your shepherd. I shall not want. He takes care of us. He he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. What does he do? Say it with me. He restores my soul. How many times through life do we look to God 
We're besides ourselves. We don't know what to do. We get on our knees and we say, God, help. What does he do? He restores. He restores our soul. In the New Testament, John John chapter 10, we're reminded that I am the good shepherd, said Jesus. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He's a good shepherd. Charles Spurgeon said, it is our honor to have been chosen from all the world beside to be his own people. And our privilege to be therefore guided by his wisdom, tended by his care, and fed by his bounty. Sheep gather around their shepherd and look up to him. In the same manner, let us gather around the great shepherd of mankind. This life of joy and gratitude takes an outward expression. It takes a mindful comprehension. Thirdly, it takes a personal action. I got to do something. I got to act. Verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. And give thanks to him. Bless his name. As the children of Israel entered into this place of worship, we are to enter into this place of worship. And, and the gates there were the gates of the city of Jerusalem, the gates of the temple of the city. The courts were the courts of the temple. This procession of worshipers have reached the city and the gates, and they, pers- they burst into thanksgiving and songs of praise is what they do. Man, when you make your way to God's house and you gather with God's people, sing out God's praise. Amen. Don't hold back. And by the way, Make your way to God's house. I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad God's house is your priority. Make it his, your priority every week. Every week. So, so, so many don't. That's why in Hebrews 10, we're told, verse 25, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of what? Don't fall into that category. Don't fall into the sum. Make your way to God's house. Make God's house a priority. Come to his house not satisfied to sit at home. Come to his house not letting sorrow or self-pity keep you home. Come to his house not settling for online church. Yeah, I'm looking at you right now sitting at home. Yeah, uh (laughs) There are times for online church. You have a fever of 104, you're okay. If not, may God's conviction come on you. (laughs) Your kids are sick, I understand that. By the way, mom, you said you were watching me today. You need to be in church today down in Florida, just to let you know. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. By the way, I know you're going to be in church next week when you're here, but I'm just telling you, okay? Listen, virtual church, online church is not real church. That's why we're told in God's word to assemble with God's people. So get in the habit of assembling with God's people. Enter that place of worship. Now notice, spiritual action is accompanied by spiritual attitude. Verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with what? With praise. So when we come together, it's to give thanks, not whine and not complain and, you know, my latte wasn't right this morning or somebody's sitting in my seat and the temperature in that sanctuary. What are you doing? It's not about you. We're here for God. Okay? 
So when we come together, we give thanks. And when we come together, it's for God's praise. So our focus is not us, it is on God. And Hebrews 13, 15, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And so we enter this place of worship and with spiritual action comes spiritual attitude. And I want you to notice at the end of verse 4, give thanks to him, bless his name. Notice this. It's not about what I get when I come to church. I come to give to him and bless him. So oftentimes, we walk in church, it's like, I'm here. What you got for me, Pastor Scott? Better be good. Oh, and I better like the worship. Wait a minute. It's not about you. It's not about me. We will receive when we come to church. We will get blessed when we come to church. We know that. There's plenty of times we come into church, we didn't want to go to church, and we walk out of church, and we're like, we're so glad we went to church. But the reason we come is not to get. We're told it's to give. I'm here to give thanks to God. I'm I'm here to not be blessed, but to bless the name of God. So, give thanks to him. Now, I know... Giving thanks can be hard. You say, Scott, you you don't understand what I'm going through in life right now. You don't understand our financial situation, our health situation, my marriage situation, and the list goes on and on and on. I don't understand what you're going through. But God does. And his word still tells us this truth. Ephesians 5.20 Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. How often are we to give thanks? Always. For what are we to give thanks? All things. No matter what I am facing in life, I am to give thanks to God. It's a similar passage in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Read this with me. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus. It shows a depth of trust. In his sovereignty. That I can trust God. Even in my deepest. Darkest times in my life. When I am suffering in ways. I don't understand. There's a very important verse. And actually two verses. Usually just the first one is quoted. Romans 8.28. Don't forget verse 29. We know God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. How can I give thanks in this horrible situation I am, knowing that God's going to use it for good in my life? He's going to use this for good. I don't understand it. I don't know how he's going to do it. But I trust you, God, and I can give you thanks for what I'm facing because you're going to use it for good. And knowing it's going to help me be more like Jesus. He's going to use this horrible thing in my life to help me conform to the image of his son. Otherwise, I wouldn't be growing. I wouldn't be going as deep in my faith and trusting him and crying out the prayer and drawing close to him. He uses those tough things. And we can give him thanks. For all things, everything, always, because he's going to use it for good, and it's going to help me be more like Jesus. 
So bless and thank the name of God. But, but to bless his name, what does it mean? It means to praise his name and respect his name and revere his character and bless his name. Even in the midst of tragedy, and, and you know the story of Job. Job loses all of his wealth, all of his possessions, his ten children are killed, all in the same day. I would say life is not fair for Job. Oh, and by the way, he's the most righteous person on the face of the earth. Could God say say that about you? The most righteous person on the face of the earth loses his business, loses his possessions, all of his children are killed. Oh, and by the way, his health will eventually be taken too. And he's left with a nag of a wife that just says, curse God and die. (laughs) And this was his response in Job 121. Job had his struggles, but this was his response. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Say that with me. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You are sovereign. You can do what you want. You are in control. Not me. You have given. You have taken away. I bless your name. We can give thanks to God in all things. And we can bless his name. There's another thing that I need to learn by way of refresher when it comes to joy and gratitude. It takes a focused realization What does that mean? Verse 5. To realize that the Lord is good and his loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to what? All generations. So God is good. He's good now. He's good forever. He has been good. He is good. He will always be good. Never question the goodness of God. That's what got Adam and Eve in big trouble in the garden. You start questioning the goodness of God, you're going down the wrong path. He has never been anything but good. Morally upright, gracious, generous, kind. And if you doubt that, then I give you this challenge. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? He's good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Take refuge in him. And you will see that your God is good. In, verse, in Psalm 85, verse 12, indeed, the Lord will give what is good. He gives what is good. And not only that, he stores up that which is good. Psalm 31, 19, how great is your goodness. You've stored up for those who fear you, which you've wrought for those who take refuge. There it is again, take refuge in him before the sons of men. God has storehouses of goodness ready for his children. By the way, James 1.17, every good thing given and every perfect gift that comes from that storehouse is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. And once again, he causes even that which is bad to be used for good. Romans 8.28, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So, It's all good. Say that to the person next to you. It's all good. It's all good. Because you serve a good God. He is always good. And by the way, not only is he always good, his loving kindness never ends. 
His love never ends. It's the word hesed. It's this loyal love, devoted love, steadfast love, the epitome of pure, perfect love is yours from God. It's unchanging. It's everlasting. It's love without end. Amen. There's a song made popular by Jesus culture a few years ago. One thing remains. Higher than the mountains that I face, stronger than the power of the grave, constant through the trial and the change. One thing remains. Yes, one thing remains. If you know it, sing it with me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Because on and on and on and on it goes before it overwhelms and satisfies my soul. And I never ever have to be afraid. One thing remains. So this one thing remains. And then the bridge says this. In death, in life, I'm confident and covered by the power of your great love. My debt is paid. There's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. Where'd that come from? Romans chapter 8. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Answer, no. Verse 37. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. God is always good. His love never ends. And then we're told his faithfulness to all generations. He is faithful always, and he is faithful to all. Faithful meaning completely dependable, completely reliable, completely trustworthy. Raleigh quoted this passage earlier in Lamentations 3. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed what? Never cease. His compassions never what? Never fail. They are new. This morning they were new for you. This morning, God's love was new for you, whether you realized it or not. This morning, his compassion, his mercy was new for you. Great is your faithfulness. This morning, God's faithfulness was new for you. Every single day, his love is new. His compassions are new. His faithfulness is new. To be experienced new every single day. So faithful is our God that 2 Timothy 2.13 tells us that if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. That's an incredible faithfulness. And then it says he's faithful not just to you, but to all generations. So from the very first generation of humanity to the very last generation of humanity, whenever that will be, God's faithfulness never skips a generation. I have experienced the faithfulness of God. My children will experience the faithfulness of God. My grandchildren will experience the faithfulness of God. And great-grandchildren and great-great-grandkids I ne- will never know and never meet will experience the faithfulness of God. Psalm 91, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you've been our dwelling place in what? All generations. 
before the mountains were born or you gave birth to the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, say it with me, you are God. And that's a refresher that I need from time to time to understand a life of joy and gratitude. What does it take? It takes outward expression, which is shouting joyfully and serving gladly and singing joyfully. It takes a mindful comprehension that he is God, that he's our creator, that he is our shepherd. It takes personal action that I I need to enter. I need to get to God's house. And I need to go giving him thanks and blessing his name and this focused realization that he's always good, that he always loves, and that he's always faithful. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit at harvest.church.